this. I want to sing a song for you, Lord. Look for you, I want to sing a song. And I want to lift my voice to heaven. And listen to the angels sing along. The song of your faithfulness, the song of your grace, and of your loving kindness to the glory of your name. With everything that's in me, Lord, listen to me say, I want to sing a song for you. I want to sing a song. next one with us. See you. 
we thank you for this day we thank you for this wonderful opportunity that we are able to come here together and worship you lord we pray today that you would open our hearts and open our minds so that we could focus on your word and receive the message in jesus name amen please turn and greet one another Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you joined us in worship today. We have announcements that begin our worship service, and we like to frame them in our five practices of fruitful congregations. We try our best to live these out in the way we communicate, in the way we speak, in the way we act, in the way we believe. Um, and they are in your bulletin. So if you'll turn to the Radical Hospitality section of your bulletin and follow along with me and also take that home with you, uh, to make sure that you remember the announcements that we have. Um, first of all, we want to tell you that we have um, a security check-in station for children. We have uh, coffee and donuts, and we have restrooms here. That's all part of our commitment to radical hospitality. What can we do to make sure that you feel welcome here? You're welcome to sit in these seats. We're going to have more seats if we need them. You're welcome to sit in the bleachers if you would like, and you're welcome to sit at the tables, um, especially if you have uh, coffee or donuts here, uh, and you want to set that down on something. Uh, you can remain there in the whole service if you like. Uh, we have visitor cards and prayer cards. If you want to tell us more about yourself uh, for us to communicate with you, we're happy to do that. Just any format that you like, and uh, we'll communicate with you in that format. Uh, our office manager, Leslie, will reach out to you this week in whatever form uh, that you give us. Uh, we also have prayer cards. If you would like to share prayer concerns with us, um, they will go to our Tuesday prayer group and to our staff. Um, we'll be in prayer for you this week and uh, also um, for the greater community and all sorts of things. Uh, so if you would like a um, prayer card, if you'd raise your hand, our visitor card, an usher will bring you um, one, and then uh, you can share that with the um, congregation. Uh, we have new newsletters today. Every first Sunday, uh, we have new newsletters. There's all kinds of fun pictures, activities, uh, calendar items, birthdays, things uh, that you need for the upcoming month. Uh, we always want to thank Erin for the work that she puts into creating that for us. It's also a digital version uh, on our website, and that went out in the last email. There's a link actually in every email that goes out to you on Tuesday and Thursday for the newsletter. You can click on a digital version of that. We believe in passionate worship. We've got some um, significant stuff coming up in the coming weeks. Um, today is All Saints Sunday, which means we remember those uh, that we've lost in the last 12 months. Um, the scripture passage is chosen by the lectionary to be specifically about that. 
And uh, we celebrate those folks and, and lift them up in this service. Uh, we also have announcements about this particular service um, from Caitlin, who's going to talk to us about the sign-up sheet that's coming. I think Caitlin forgot she was doing it. Oh, what's up? My bad. Good morning. Um, I just want to talk real quick about uh, volunteering because we're coming up very quickly on the new year. So it's kind of that time to start arranging the volunteer schedule for next year for the 9 a.m. service. Um, this service, the way it runs smoothly and everything, is really um, dependent upon volunteers and, and their assistance in the areas of setting up the gym so that we can prepare the, excuse me, prepare the worship space every week, um, greeting people at the door as they come in um, to welcome them to our service. Um, to the ushering to collect our offerings, um, provide prayer cards and new visitor information, and of course our refreshments, which we all like, the coffee and the donuts, um, before each service. Uh, we have a website currently that's www.signupgenius.com. That's an online way that you can sign up um, each month if you feel um, like you're interested in volunteering. Um, but starting next week, we'll also have a printed version of a sign-up book that we'll pass around each service week um, so you can sign up there as well um, you might if you're not so computer savvy I'm not the best at that either um, you have the option of a paper copy as well um, if you feel like maybe right now you're not quite sure you're interested in it but you don't really know if you want to commit um, stay tuned because there will be soon a, a way for you to express your interest in different ways to serve within the church um, and if you have any questions, please feel free to find me after the service, and I can give you some more detailed instructions. Thank you so much. Thank you, Caitlin. If you came in on this sidewalk from the front, you saw a new black fence uh, around the front part of the social hall. That is the start of our prayer garden, which is also being led by Aaron. Aaron studied landscape architecture at Clemson University, and um, we got all of her expertise in designing that. Uh, for what we pay her to be a children's director and family director, uh, which is amazing. She's designed it. Uh, we bought the fence that's going around it. Uh, uh, we had some good guys putting that up yesterday. There's a planning day, for, planting day for all the uh, things that are going to be in the garden, and that is on November, Saturday, November 18th at 9 a.m. Uh, if you would like to participate, you can ask. You can write Aaron. Every one of our staff members is our first name at memorialgreer.com, and we'd be glad to have you. Um, the children's choir is performing next Sunday in the 9 o'clock service. They practice today. They'll practice again next week at 8.30 uh, in the morning, and we'll um, sing in that service. And I'm going to call Aaron up to tell you about Advent Family Home Devotionals. We've got a lot of stuff. Good morning. So the Advent Family Home Devotionals are something I'm doing a little new this year, new to me at least. Um, it is something you can pick up on Consecration Sunday. It will be on the check-in table spread out. Um, what it will be is cards for the different weeks of Advent, hope, peace, love, joy. Uh, you'll have those out and be able to choose an activity a day that your family can uh, do together for Advent. Um, if one a day is too many for your busy family, pick three. That doesn't, it, there's no... Uh, no set rules to how you do this, but the reason it'll be spread out is because that'll allow families with different ages of children, different interests, to go and um, select activities that can help 
their family be focused on Christ this Advent season. Uh, so do email me if you want to participate in that. There are supplies involved, and I want to make sure I have enough for everyone who's interested. This year is sort of a test run, and it is designed for families with children. Um, if there's interest, um, perhaps next year we could develop one for um, adults as well. Although you might find a lot of these activities aren't just um, geared toward kids, but uh, fun for all. So just email me, Aaron at memorialgreer.com, if you'd like a packet. Thanks. Thank you, Aaron. We believe in intentional faith development. And our announcements about that are just are different. Uh, two weeks from today is Consecration Sunday. We'll have one 10 a.m. service. Uh, we will not have children's programming, youth programming, adult programming that night. The youth will be, on a, um, be coming back from a trip, and uh, children will be pulled out during the consecration service uh, program for a fun lesson on giving. We believe in risk-taking mission and service. You'll see um, we decorated last Wednesday um, all the Thanksgiving baskets from the Foundations class. Um, if you would like to help us deliver those baskets, it's a um, great time, and it helps that class do that important mission. We believe in extravagant generosity, and we're in the season uh, that we talk about it in Consecration Sunday. Uh, Will Lavender is going to speak to us today. Each of our speakers in the consecration process are telling us what the church means to them uh, um, and why it's important for them to give. As he's coming up, I'm going to have you raise your hand if you haven't filled out a um, lunch reservation for Consecration Sunday. It's very simple. If you know you're not coming, we would like to know. Uh, just say, uh, just check the box that you have. You are not coming. If you definitely are coming, check the yes box so that we know you are. It's a free meal. It's Thanksgiving uh, style. It's delicious, and uh, it's a celebration of Consecration Sunday. So if you need a Consecration Sunday card, if you please raise your hand, and uh, we'll bring you one to fill out. Or I guess Rochelle. Rochelle, can you help us? Is that my cue? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good morning. My name is Will Lavender. I am speaking on behalf of Katie, my wife. We um, have been in Greer now for nine years and uh, visited a few Methodist churches when we got here and by no chance at all landed here with uh, many connections that we were not aware of at the time. And um, if you don't know about Memorial, if you don't know this about Memorial yet, Memorial is built on the foundation of volunteering and, and the service that our members provide to the church. And it's been a, a wonderful experience for us to, to be involved, to get involved, to see different aspects of the church, to, um, to give, to serve. Uh, I've been in the choir, and I say that loosely because I've been in the Christmas choir several times. Um, as much time as I have to give to this church, I try. Um, most recently, I've been uh, the chair of our finance committee for the last year, which has been very eye-opening to, to see how our budget operates and to see how our, our money is spent. And it is, it's a great thing uh, when this church is coming together um, with, our, with our talents and our services and our, uh, our gifts and our monies. And this church has done uh, wonderful things over the last um, several years, and it's, uh, it's good to see that. Memorial, um, for us, is, is interesting because Katie and I are both transplants. We are not native to Greer, but it is, uh, it, we are definitely the minority here, which I like, because it's, it's comforting to us um, 
to know that this church has roots and has a foundation that is, that is Greer, that is from Greer. And we like to know that, uh, that this church will survive like that, that in the generations to come, Memorial will still be here, and hopefully we will be those roots uh, one day. But we're, uh, we're very welcomed um, nine years ago when we got here and are, are pleased to still be here with children in our daycare program, uh, teaching Sunday school when we can remember to show up, since I don't use Sign Up Genius either, so I don't get those reminders. <laughs> um, we are, we're just, we're blessed to be here. We, we love this church, and um, we, when I say we, us and Katie and my three-year-old, uh, challenge you over the next few weeks to, um, to consider uh, giving in a way you haven't given before, possibly, or giving more in ways that you currently give. And I thank you for your time. Thank you, Will. Just one more thing. That is the Office of the Child Enrichment Program Director. She worked for her first week this week, Elizabeth Sperling. She doesn't know everything about us, but she knows everything about that position. I'm entirely confident uh, that she knows what she's doing. She loves the United Methodist Church. She's a member at Lyman and a vital participant, and um, I'm just overjoyed uh, that she's here. I think, uh, I don't know how much y'all get to interact with the CEP, but um, we're very pleased uh, with our new hire. We're grateful for it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it's a busy season. And our heart rates are up. Our driving is up. The requests on our time, energy, and money is up. We have several things swirling around us, several questions on our hearts and minds on the outside of this building. But we've come here today because we believe. We've come here today to hear scripture proclaimed. To pray with one another. To sing with one another. To comfort one another. To encourage one another. Because we believe. And as we read the names of those who have gone on. Who taught us that belief. We say thank you. As we realize the responsibility that's on our shoulders to carry this message to future generations, we say thank you. As we recognize the guidance, encouragement, and inclusion that you offered from your very first day in ministry until your last day, we say thank you. Focus us, Lord. upon your message for us today, upon the opportunity we have to serve, and upon the responsibilities that you've placed in our hands. Inspire us with the prayer you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we said, today is All Saints Sunday. And so if you'll look at the front of your bulletin, we're going to read the names of those that we've lost in the past year. And we have one extra candle uh, that we'll explain in the midst of it. We're going to read the name and the date, ring a bell in their honor, and light a candle for their memory, for their presence amongst us. Ben R. McClyman, January 15th, 2017. Ellen Rogers, January 22nd, 2017. Max Dolder, February 9th, 2017. Bill Davis, March 3rd, 2017. Katherine Johnson, April 7th, 2017. Bob Burnett, April 24th, 2017. Ann Dobson, April 27th, 2017. Terry Kennemore. May 25th, 2017. Margaret Williams, May 28th, 2017. Catherine Dobson, June 14th, 2017. We've listed these names in our bulletin of people directly in our family. But we know for a fact that all of you are connected far beyond this campus. We know that each of you have experienced loss beyond our family. And this morning we light a candle for the losses that you've experienced in your life outside this church. If you'll join me in a moment of silence. Lord, these loved ones of ours now know your peace. They know no loss. They know no sickness. Only you. And for that, we're deeply grateful. Be with us, Lord, as we read this text today and we talk of pain, we talk of loss, 
And we talk most importantly of your blessing. In your holy name we pray. Amen. We have candles that flicker behind me now. That represent love, talent, dedication, service. They represent laughter, tears, hugs, and handshakes. Endless numbers. They represent belief in God and God's Son, Jesus, and the significance of that life with us. And we're grateful. We read Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. The Beatitudes. A drastic jump back from the scripture passages we've been reading in worship in, verse, in chapters 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. We're back to the square one. Only for one week as we celebrate this particular service. Verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So let's look at that first phrase. When you are poor in spirit. I consider those people on that hillside hearing this message. Does it mean humility? That I'm not proud in spirit? I don't have my chest puffed out? I don't think I'm always right? Does it mean that I am humble in what I think and what I offer and what I give and what I say? Potentially. Does it mean brokenness? That poor in spirit? Does it mean fatigue? Does it mean fear? Does it mean I don't have anything left? Well, I'm guessing you've probably experienced both. I'm guessing you probably offered both. So either way that it goes, I think it's significant. He said, blessed are you who are poor in spirit, who have experienced fatigue, fear, and brokenness. You ever experienced that in the midst of this sickness and death of a loved one? See, the church I was before, for four years, I was an associate, and we had super targeted jobs. And being with those who were sick and dying was not part of my job. Therefore, leading funerals was not part of my job. The four years before that, I was in a new church start. It was all young families. So I had, I think, three deaths in four years. The three years before that, I was an associate minister in a church that people, I could understand, wanted to have the senior minister come. It's, you know, you came. Yeah, it's great. It's great that you, the associate, come. That's cute. Um, but we really want the senior minister come, and we want the senior minister to lead our service. That's three more years. That's back to 2004 with two little country churches in Seneca on either side of town when I had significant participation in the death of people, and in the leadership of their services. Since I've come here, I've had about 25, 28, 30 in two and a half years. That's more than the previous 17 combined. Now, that's not bad. 
I'm saying I didn't get, just didn't get many experiences with them. My family is very tiny. So I haven't had much experience with death in my family. Outside of pets. So participating in the life of families who have an extended sickness and loss or a sudden loss out of nowhere has been completely in this place. There's power there. There's power in the people that surround them in that moment. There's power in the people that surround them after the service, in the service, and comfort and love them in the name of God. He says, blessed are you when you experience loss. The second phrase, when you mourn. Do you feel blessed when you're mourning? Or do you feel um, exhausted? Do you feel like you have 45% of your normal capacity in every realm when you're mourning? He's saying to these people on the side of this hill, you are blessed when you're poor in spirit and you're blessed when you're mourning. This is completely against a fair portion of things they have heard from religious leadership who have tied directly things that are going on in your life to how you're doing with God. So we still do that a little bit. We might do it too much. We think if a couple of things happen in a row, man, that'd do something. Now, that is right in your relationships. If you're reading that in your relationships, it's accurate. If you get somebody that's not responding to you, not reacting to you, you've done something, you need to reach down and figure it out. Not right. According to what Jesus said to these people. It's comforting to read People have it on um, beautiful things that are framed in their dining room, living room, bedroom. But it was revolutionary that day. It was a crazy thing to say that day. He said, you're blessed when you experience these things. You know someone that you think you lost too soon? You had no chance. I've been with families that have lost a child. Lost an infant. You had no chance, they think. And of course, in teenage years, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, we think, it's too soon. It's too soon. And then we have people that think, why is this suffering going on? Why is my loved one suffering far beyond what they ever should? What's going on with God's timing? Significance of medicine is on both sides of that. While we think the medicine that we have is, of course, the greatest technology that has ever existed in human history, it still can't stop a lot of things. And while we have the most sophisticated medicine in human history, sometimes it overcomes life's natural cycles and someone lives longer. And we think, man... Seems like this is going on way too long. Here's three or four other medical interventions. Because we feel like we owe it to that person, that loved one, right? I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not making fun of it. I'm saying we have too soon and too long emotions around people 
that we have lost or are about to lose. And when we're mourning, we don't figure we're blessed. So when he says this to these people on this hill, how are they blessed? How are they blessed when they're mourning and when they're poor in spirit? Well, for one, he's telling them there's no questioning if God has turned against you. Isn't that what we do? Isn't that what we say? Isn't that what we ask? Has God turned against me? And what we're going on is ancient law that preceded Jesus, that tied direct connections to what you did and whether your nation won in war, what you did and whether you got a job, what you did and whether you were healthy. It made absolute direct connections. Jesus said, that's not right. He said it on this day. He said, God has not turned on you and these people are surrounding you. It's why you're blessed. Verse five. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And see, this is a shift in what he's saying. The first part is talking about when you feel devastation. The second part is kind of a new interpretation on commandments. You know how it's different? How do the commandments phrase things? Don't do it. Do not do it. Actually saying do not makes me think do not seek the treasure. Do not seek the treasure. <laughs> Remember that on a brother where are thou? Do not do it. That's the way the majority of the commandments are phrased. The problem is, if you say do not, people start to expand and they say, well, uh, well he only said don't do those things. What, what about these things? What about, he, he, didn't say, he didn't say don't do this. That's when you start thinking like a teenage boy in a car when the dad told you what to do. No, not to do. Say don't speed on the highway. You know, he said don't speed on the highway, but he didn't say anything about going on the back dirt road and just going crazy. He just said, don't speed on the highway. They're all phrased in do not. This is entirely different. What are the things that he said those people should be doing? To be meek, to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to be merciful, to be pure in heart, to be peacemakers. Do these things. Isn't that a better version? So your next phrase, hunger and thirst. The question is, is your desire to understand the truth and to live this life the same as if you were truly hungry for something? We don't experience true hunger very often. You ever like miss lunch? You think, man, I'm hungry. I will most often not eat on Sunday morning. Can't do it. Thinking about too much. So that means I eat Saturday night dinner, and the next time I eat, it's going to be Sunday about 1. And uh, my family, merciful, they make sacrifices for me. They push the button. They work with the youth. They do all sorts of stuff to encourage me. But if they impede my getting lunch on Sunday, it's not a good thing. 
Not a good thing. Need to eat on Sunday afternoon because I'm hungry. That feeling of I've got to do this because it matters. If you go hiking with friends on a trail and they all packed a water bottle and you forgot. And all of a sudden you get that sense that you're thirsty. Whew, you know, I want water. As soon as you think I want water, you desperately want water. Hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. I want to understand what you want me to understand. Not I want to be on a higher level than these people because these people don't get it. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, he says. Blessed are they. Guess what's great about him meeting with these people on this moment? It's what I said last week. In the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament, there's instances in which people go up on mountains with a select group of people, and they're the only ones that get to hear it. They're the only ones that get to see it. Moses goes up and gets the law. Everybody's at the bottom of the hill. Jesus takes two or three disciples up, and his face is transfigured in front of them. Everybody else is down the hill. Who's present in this moment? Who's excluded from this moment? Nobody. That means it's about one thing. Effort. I'm sure there have been opportunities in your life when you did not have a chance to do the thing that you wanted to do. You just, there's no hope. It's, not, it's just not going to happen. And there's been chances in your life when effort was the difference. And if you're like me, you can look back pretty quickly and think about times when effort was the difference and you didn't make that effort. Uh, calculus didn't make that effort, honestly. Uh, history made the effort. Clean room, nah, didn't make that effort. Clean car, yeah, I'd make that effort. Whatever it may be, there's times when you had, all it was was whether you were willing to work hard enough for it. That's the transition in this text today that's just as revolutionary as him saying, what you're doing is not directly tied to your sickness, illness, death, or loss. They are simply parts of life of which we will surround each other. Equally revolutionary to include anybody who is willing to put the effort in. That's one of the first reasons that religious leaders had trouble with Jesus is there was a certain path that we go through. There's a certain elevated social status. And certain people get to hear certain things. And he said, nah, come on. If you're willing to put in the effort. He said, blessed are you when you hunger and thirst. And your next phrase, children of God, is significant. Prior to this day, who do you think they figured the children of God were? People of Israel. That's why it's so significant to make sure that you marry people of Israel, that you continue to have a family, that we continue to grow who we are because we are the children of God. And we, when we pray hard enough, can beat that nation that's over there. We, when we stomp hard enough around the walls, the walls will come down and we can conquer it, we can take what we want. We were in Egypt and we were slaves, then we got out because God favored who? Us. God favored us. 
on what you people are doing over there with all your different gods or not believing in God whatsoever. When they say children of God, Jesus is saying it's beyond your nation. That's revolutionary still today, isn't it? Be honest in your question of yourself of if you pray for our nation or for this world. If you pray for those who are for us or if you pray for both those who are for us and those who are against us. He says, children of God who are willing to put in the effort, who are coming to hear me, are included. That's three revolutionary things. You normally don't have one. Now, do these people in this moment exactly get that? I don't know. But we should get it. Because we study what he does all the time, and there's true significance to it. So why are these people blessed? They get to start something special. They're being included. They're being given a chance to offer people to join. There's two human tendencies, and they're inside of both of us. It's just what happens that day. You didn't figure you could be included. All of a sudden, you're included, and you either do one of two things. Well, I'm included, you know, because there's something cool about me. And, or I was included in a way I didn't believe in any way, shape, or form. Come on with me. Those are your two choices. They're blessed because they're given an opportunity to include other people. Verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What now? I thought, I thought this was going to be cool. I thought this was going to be fun. I thought we were having a party in which everyone was included and we didn't have to worry about pain and loss and death anymore. Mm -mm. Then he elevates it for them. He says, he doesn't say this, but the deep, I never, I'm always... I never feel confident with the word irony. But I think this is right. I think it's ironic that his message of inclusion is going to cause deep, vicious beatings to exclude them. Because the people who are accustomed to a certain type of people being children of God will not be pleased with this radical inclusion. And so in the face of that radical inclusion, they will try to push them out to get back to the children of God being us. See, it's easy to think, blessed are you when you're experiencing sickness and loss, and you think, oh, you know, I never thought about it that way. I never thought about the people who are going to be with me. And he says, blessed are you when people beat you and scream at you and yell at you and threaten your very life. Well, that, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right at all. But he's setting them up for what this life of offering radical inclusion will be. And you know what we've been reading the last eight weeks? Those religious leaders 
hounding him, trying to trip him up in front of everyone because he's trying to include everyone. So the next phrase, blessed are you. When persecution comes. And so you might be able to get over the fact that when you experience sickness, that that's not God punishing you. But when you experience persecution, exclusion, beatings, and death, you might think, I don't know, there's no way God is in that. He says, just like sickness, just like loss, these are not tied to the way that God feels about you and are instead a simple fact of living this human life with people who don't want change. They do not want change and they will punish you for bringing it. He says, blessed are you. God is present amongst you when this happens. And the last, last phrase. Rejoice and be glad. Um, <clears throat> if I gave you three blanks to fill in, three activities that you were doing, that when you were doing that thing, it's the easiest for you to rejoice and be glad. Is it Thanksgiving meal, preparing Thanksgiving meal, or is, or is that insane? I, I, know, I sit down and eat it and bless it. Is it being at the beach on the sunrise out on the water? Is it being out on the lake? Is it uh, tailgating at 7.30 when the game isn't until 8 o'clock at night? <laughs> Wherever, there's three places for you that you could list on that sheet that are the easiest place for you to rejoice and be glad. He's saying, in the midst of persecution, I want you to rejoice and be glad. Because while I'm including you now, and it's amazing, this is going to get harder. He's saying, what you're doing is significant, and the thing you're talking about is in this world and beyond this world as well. You are truly impacting the kingdom of God, he says. We say, heavenly banquet in the communion liturgy. And that's what really captures these candles here today. We join around the same table for communion and talk about a banquet. The ones that have gone on before us are in a heavenly banquet. They finish their course in this faith. They finish their journey. And it's our job to tell this message of radical inclusion to other people. There are other candles that are flickering on the altar and always do. What do they represent? The light of Christ. The light of Christ towering over these candles of these loved ones that have gone on before us. One who has experienced loss, one who has experienced death, one who has been risen again, and one who calls us down that path. So in this busy season, in a time when holidays are coming, which will be the first holiday in which you don't have that loved one with you, I want you to remember these words that he gave us on that hill in which everyone was included. Blessed are you. Blessed are you in every way, and I would encourage you to offer that peace that has been given to you, 
to those who so desperately need it and are not likely to join us in this space until they hear it. Blessed are you to serve in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you'll join me in our modern affirmation. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all his works, and whose will is directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as a divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. You may be seated. It's now time for our offering, and you can give as the plate goes by or electronically with instructions from the bulletin. And if you filled out a reservation card for the dinner, if you'll please put it in the plate.
Dream. 
busyness of anxiety, of new experiences of, experience, of feeling death and holidays. And know that you are blessed. Bless others with your actions, your words, your love, your hope. In the name of Jesus Christ, go forth. Great week.